Hi, I'm Danny Gavigan, member of the resident acting company at Everyman Theater and the creator and host of the podcast you're about to listen to, Everyman Theater's Resident Ghost Company. This podcast was made possible through the generosity of the Galanthus Foundation and listeners like you. Please consider making a donation to support more work like this by texting GHOST, that's G-H-O-S-T, to 44321, or by visiting everymantheater.org. pretty strong history actually with ghosts. When you talk to people about the sight of them, there's no doubt. I mean, absolutely believe in it. And I know what I saw. There's a ghost in this building. This is a podcast about a haunted house and its theater company with as many members as it has ghost stories. I'm Danny Gavigan, and this is Everyman Theater's resident ghost company. former lead teaching artist, Brenna Horner. And we lived there for four years. And so when we first moved there, my mom was like, I don't know, I feel something is like kind of weird about this house. Just don't go in the attic. Sometimes growing up, I felt like it, there was some like maliciousness um, in, in our home, not necessarily like coming towards me. Um, one time my brother like went into my room to use my laptop and the screen went black and words get out just came across the screen. No, it didn't. I swear. I swear. Your laptop? Did you type that with him? No. That's the thing. It's like, I, that would be such a cool prank, but like, no. And there was a little boy who lived next door and he was like three. And he lived there with his mom. And he, he and my mom would like always, my mom kind of had like a running joke with him as they would do like their little gag every day. Like when my mom was on her way to work, she waved to him and he would... Um, come and like sit on the porch and talk with my mom um, and his mom. And so they had this really sweet rapport. And one day when we were very close to moving, we were like loading things into um, one of the cars and the boy came out with his mom and the mom's like, he wanted to give you this, but he drew you a picture. She's like, tell me what 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 I see here. Like, what is what did you draw me? And he's like, this is your house. And she's like, this is really cool. Thank you so much. I'm gonna hold on to this forever. And who is this? And there's like in the attic window, there's a face that he drew. And he goes, that's the girl who lives in your upstairs, upstairs, upstairs. upstairs. 
the family who bought the house after us actually went to the same school as my brother. One of the girls was in my, uh, my brother's grade. The mother actually had to be hospitalized because she was like not well um, and was like beating her children, which is like very dark. And uh, she told her husband that the house was like telling her to hurt her, her children. malicious energy I think was present there yeah. I never felt anything like that at every man it just yeah. felt like like if so, I don't know like if you have your windows open at night you know and like all of a sudden you realize like oh somebody could be watching me many of the people I've spoken to who have experienced a ghost encounter at the theater of some form or another share similar stories to Brenna's of a brush with the paranormal at their childhood home it reminded me of something I heard at an event Everyman hosted in 2015 called The World of the Play with Mark Steiner. This particular discussion was centered around our production of Blythe Spirit. Here's Dr. Hollis Robbins, director of the Center for Africana Studies at Johns Hopkins University and chair of the Humanities Department at the Peabody Institute. I think dwelling is a word that actually captures what the issue is. You dwell with something. Dwelling can mean a place. We live in a dwelling, but we also dwell on something or dwell on people or dwell on a topic. And Heidegger talks about uh, about this a great deal about how the dwelling in time and the dwelling in the being in time uh, is a human is the human condition. It is the the fact that we want to stay, but we also sometimes want to move. The first rule of thermodynamics is like energy cannot be created nor destroyed. I mean, I'm not here to get into like everybody's beliefs about like where we go, but like, you know, if a spirit existed, that energy can't be destroyed. It just like maybe moves on to like a different way of existing. Resident acting company member Beth Hilton. So when we did Live Spirit. You are here. Aren't you not some sort of illusion? I may be an illusion, but I'm most definitely here. The psychic who was on the world of the play thing. Intuitive life coach and metaphysical educator, Dr. Gwen F. McGregor. Was telling story about sometimes the ghosts are just impressions that get left. Ghosts are uh, um, that, that love of the spirit that has gone on. Basically that whole theory. And she saw whoever this lady in white, this lady in the antebellum dress, corset times lady, that they saw by the copier, she saw her just like walking through. She's like, it's so funny, while, while you were speaking, I saw this woman, she's walking right through the back of the, the room and she's got a long white uh, Gwen, skirt on. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep doing this, don't I? <laughs> white skirt, I've got such a loud voice, I, I'm you know kind of averse to this, but um, she's walking through the back there in her house. She's in her own house. Yeah, she doesn't even know She's like, she still thinks she's in her house. She doesn't, she's not conscious of us. She's got a white, you know, blouse on, long white uh, um, skirt on. She clearly belongs to another time. She's walking through her time as we're existing right now. Is she even noticing us? No. She's in her own time just doing 
her thing and moving around her house. And that often happened. But, you know, I did a party yesterday and I looked up and there was a Union soldier looking at me <laughs> across the room. And, you know, he just looked at me and I looked at him. And I looked away. He, he disappeared. And how could I do that? Because I was in a higher self. That's why when we have these beautiful dreams and visions, we are able to see these souls again so clearly. And, you know, when, when you talk to people about the sight of them, there's no doubt. And Dr. Gwen wasn't the only one who had seen this woman in white. One night, our porter, Shema Moore, was cleaning the bathrooms in the same lobby upstairs where the World of the Play discussion had occurred. When Shema told me about this, for some reason, during this particular topic, the quality of our connection dropped significantly. Here's a portion of his interview completely unedited. It was one time I was in the ladies' room to clean the restroom. And I know it was no one in the ladies' room, but I seen some gold in the ladies' room. And knocked the door and I said, excuse me, miss, um, you can be here. Um, I'll put a sign for me to clean the restroom. Can't be in when I'm in here. And when I went in the restroom, it was no one there. But I seen someone going to the restroom. What'd she look like? She would fight dress. What'd she look like? They're like a woman, in, a, a white woman in white clothing wearing white dress. And I asked people, I said, have you ever seen the lady here? And every man on the second floor with a white dress or whatever. Some people say they have. Some people say, oh, you see, lady, I said, I'm telling you, it's a lake upstairs. I have a, a, a pretty strong history, actually, with ghosts. and paranormal activity and encounters. And I don't know why, um, but I get visits a lot. I get visits from family members as well as complete strangers. I also get visions. <laughs> this is Paige Hernandez, Everyman's Associate Artistic Director. Paige is an actor, director, choreographer, and playwright. And unbeknownst to me up until now, every man's resident clairvoyant. One of the more recent ones is I saw a man and his dog. And then I was, you know, keenly observing them. And then I turned to my husband to see if he saw the same thing. And he's like, there's no man. There's no dog. Wow. So then I'm always like, well, you know, again, trying to read into it. Is it someone transitioning? Is it someone I know? Is it is he related to someone? Or is this just to tell me something, show me something? Like, who knows? Okay, so define or differentiate visions and visits? I guess for me, the difference between visions is that I don't know who the subjects are. And was that dog dead and a ghost? I guess so. So that for me is kind of the visions. And they're, and they're vivid? Oh yeah, extremely visit, vivid. So vivid that physical contact usually happens where I grab a hand or we touch or there's a shoulder or we dance. Like super vivid. Yeah. And you know, this also stems from, I didn't even put all this together until this moment. When I was young, I used to experience night terrors. Are you familiar with those? You're sleepwalking. You're actually up and about and conscious enough to have a conversation. If I ran into you in the kitchen, we would talk. But then the next morning, I have no recollection of that. And that I was up and drinking orange juice. But yeah, when I have these kind of encounters, they feel like that, where I'm like, where am I on my kind of mental psyche realm? 
that's allowing me to see this or do this? And did I just experience something stressful or traumatic that means I'm now more open to these things? When I was young, I did experience sleep paralysis a lot. Lighting supervisor Juan Juarez. I want to say uh, elementary, middle school aged. Um, I would, in the middle of the night, wake up and be completely paralyzed. Um, You can breathe and you can see the room around you, but I wasn't able to move my arms, my legs, my head. Uh, I wasn't able to speak. And that puts you in such a vulnerable position uh, because you you want to scream and you want to get up and you want to, you know, focus on moving a finger and it's it's just not possible. Historically, um, when people have experienced sleep paralysis, they see demons. You know, they'll experience um, a witch or a demon or something sitting on your chest because when you wake up, the first thing you want to do is to sit up and, you know, and move around. And when you can't do that, you feel that you almost feel a pressure um, pushing against you. You can hear scratches or sometimes screamings and you try to, again, you try to react to it or look around but you can't move your head so i think it's it's because you're such a, in such a vulnerable position that's why people people will see the demons or something holding them down the fact that so many different people have all seen the same thing you know you, you, you don't you don't hear people who are like oh i i had sleep paralysis and uh it was uh, an angel holding me down or whatever. It's, it's always like the, it goes directly to the dark side. Mom and her boyfriend, when I was a kid, bought a trunk at an auction. Director of production, Mandy Hall. Was a nurse in World War II's trunk. And in it were like all her letters and all her stuff, like all her personal stuff, which I was fascinated by. like, get away from here. This is not yours. And I never went near it again. I was, like, terrified of it. I wouldn't go in the basement, nothing. I couldn't. How old were you? I was, like, 10. I was, like, 10. No, I was older than that. 12, maybe. twelve Between 12 and 15. We can put it there. But, but you know, like, terrified of, like, what that was and why does it, like, it, it just had, like, bad energy. Whether that was she just didn't want me to look at it or there was things in the, I don't know. So, anyway, needless to say, I never went near it again. But the only time I've ever been really afraid of a spirit was actually the night my brother died when I woke up in the middle of the night. Resident acting company member Megan Anderson. I felt like he was in the room with me and he was very angry with me. And I felt like petrified, like I couldn't move in my, and it could have been anxiety. It could have been like, I mean, that was such an insanely awful day. Like, but that, that night I felt like he's in the room with me and he's mad at me. And that was the only time I've ever been afraid of a spirit. Here's a longtime Everyman regular actor, Jason McIntosh. 
when I was 12, um, I was watching TV in my, we have this room in my mother's house where basically it's just, it's a TV room slash sewing room or whatever. And I was laying on the couch watching television and my father, who was out to sea at the time, he was uh, on this thing called a Westpac. It's a military operation for the for the Navy. I would say it was about a month and a half before he was planned to go out to sea. There were all these things that my dad had to fix and he fixed all of them. Like if there was a squeaky door, he fixed it. If there's a problem with the floor, he fixed it. If there's a problem with the toilet, he fixed it. Like he made sure the house was ready and good to go before he went out to sea so my mom wouldn't have to worry. My dad's job was classified. I had no idea what it was. So sometimes he would just show up. I saw him walk through the door. Yeah. I live here. In full naval uniform, like dress uniform, white uniform. And he walked in and he looked at me. And then he walked through the wall and left. One minute later, uh, some representatives from the Navy came and told my mother that my father had died. So, yeah. I absolutely believe in ghosts. My childhood cat died. Audio engineer Andrew Galen. When I was maybe like, I don't know, 10, 8 or 10. And I definitely remember times when I, th I think that I felt the cat jump on my bed and lay down, but nothing was there. Little things like that, though, kind of add up over the years. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe in that stuff. Like, yeah, we're, we're not the only ones here. You can't explain the reasons why people do things or things happen. It's like, there's got to be a reason, right? So people come up with their own reasons and, and maybe divine intervention or ghosts or family members who have passed come back to help you. I mean... I think a lot of that is people thinking of ways to kind of cope with a lot of the stuff that's happening to them. If, if, if a family member is, is, has died or anything like that, they'll find ways to kind of materialize that and, and humanize that. But I also believe that that stuff does happen. Here's Dr. Gwen again. I think if your heart's open, I think you can pick up energy and messages and you can see trends in the world. You can understand anyone who does Reiki work or true healing understands that um, it's their love that is facilitating um, some of the healing. You know, we're not healers because we go to medical school, um, you know, and, and I believe very strongly that the arts, music, beauty, joy, that's God. You know, that's, that's moving through us from spirit. I think those wonderful muses that we talk about that come to us, I think it's higher self. I think spirituality has become a very uh, organized kind of thing where there, it's very prescribed. Former theater head of Baltimore School for the Arts, Donald Hicken. What you can believe and what you can't believe and what's acceptable what's accepted belief and what is unacceptable belief, you know? I mean, they were burning witches and all that kind of stuff um, to try to cleanse um, the, the, the population of these pagan uh, experiences, what they consider to be pagan experiences. And they, you know, they got rid of a lot of wisdom uh, because it didn't fit their dogmatic mold. And I think a lot of the a lot of the acceptance that we had of 
the supernatural was kind of bred out of people. Not a lot has changed uh, throughout history of, of our um, curiosity of what's on the other side. I think what has changed is our skepticism. This is founding member and lead investigator with the Greater Maryland Paranormal Society, Elise Caudill Corker, speaking at Every Man's World of the Play event in 2015. We aren't as spiritual of a society as I think we once were, or religious in, um, in different terms. And we want concrete proof. We want scientific evidence of the paranormal. We want to be able to show a video or play a recording um, and or see a manifestation in front of our face in order to believe it. And but isn't that what you do in part? That, that is right? exactly what I do. Right. <laughs> um, so it's not that I don't believe it's there unless I see it or, you know, have proof of it. I if I think I don't I wouldn't even do what I do if I didn't believe it was there to begin with. And here's host Mark Steiner sharing his own indelible experience. I give you a quick story. My mother passed away. I was there when she died in, in another room in the hospital. And I immediately called my brother and said, Brian, mom's dead. And Brian said, before I get the, the word mom's dead out, he said, I know. She was just sitting on the end of my bed saying goodbye. I was probably like 16 and my great grandmother came to visit me and interesting story before she died, I was at, at her house and she was pretty much dying in front of me, but not on some like, Oh, I'm going, but she was like, Hey, do you see those gates? They're so beautiful. I didn't realize they'd be like, you know, wrought iron and those flowers. And I was like, what are you talking about? Which gates are we looking at? Is this on TV? And she kept describing the scenery and the scene. And she was like, oof, this is gorgeous. This is well worth it. And she passed like an hour later. And then, yeah, she visited me. Um, and when she visited me, same thing. Came over, touched me, rubbed my lap, had a conversation with me. And it's been wild because I don't share it with everyone in my family because family members, believe it or not, get jealous sometimes that family is visiting me and not them. I never experienced anything like this when I was a child or at any point in my life. I was never a believer in ghosts. My mother, on the other hand, always was. She was always intrigued and convinced by ghost stories. She always had medium shows like John Edwards on, and being a native New Yorker, loved Long Island medium. When she was nine years old, her mother, my grandmother, died tragically in a car accident. My grandfather immediately remarried, so much of my mom's childhood was spent in the care of a stepmother. Now that I've come around to the possibility of ghosts after my experience at Everyman, I decided to sit down with my mom, with an open mind, to talk ghosts. I remember being a kid, and my parents would be either out for the evening or they'd be downstairs. We went to bed long before they did and I would hear them coming upstairs and checking on us. And a lot of times you would hear the rattle of, of uh, ice cubes in their glass. They drank uh, martinis. They have a pitcher of martinis every night. Both of them smoked, so sometimes you'd see the glow of their cigarettes in the light. And then you close your eyes and pretend to be asleep. And they check in, they look in your room and make sure everyone was in their beds and go to bed. Many nights over the course of my childhood, I would suddenly feel like one of them had sat down on my bed. And I was between being awake and being asleep. It was that weird spot 
right before you drift off to unconsciousness and dreams. And it literally felt like one of them had sat down beside me on the side of my bed. I had a twin bed in my own little room. And the door was here to my left. The bed was on the right side of the room. It was a very small bedroom. And I would sleep with my face to the wall. So there was always a spot on the bed for someone to sit down. wake up and really I felt somebody physically sitting on that bed and I turn around and look thinking they were looking for me to say something and I'd look and there'd be nobody there and it freaked me out and I'd be like what the f and I'd go back to sleep of course I didn't say what the f in those days I was only 9, 10, 11 through and this happened at odd times up until the time I moved out of that house, which was in 1976 when I was 22 and about to get married. After that, I never had the experience again. Years later, your Uncle Dan, my brother, told me that when he was little, at night as he was going to sleep, our mom used to sit on the side of his bed and talk to him and ask him about his day. And uh, this was at a time when he was being ridiculed, tortured, emotionally, physically. And I think she was looking after him. And uh, he said he used to have conversations with her and it never bothered him. It never scared him, it never did anything. And I thought to myself, well, how come I never got that? Because I miss my mom too, you know? And then I realized all those times when someone was sitting next to me on that bed, it was her, but she didn't want to scare me. And because I startled and I got scared, she disappeared, she backed away. Everyman Theater's Resident Ghost Company is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Danny Gavigan, with music by Kai Angle, Blair Moon, courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. Additional music by Josh Hurwitz. Moonlight Sonata is composed by Ludwig van Beethoven. Your support makes every episode possible. Visit everymantheater.org to check out our incredible 30th anniversary season and to make a donation today. Or text GHOST, G-H-O-S-T, to 44321. Every donation, no matter the size, makes a difference.